Thank you, Melody and Emma Grace and Nora and all our kiddos for telling our scripture for us today much better than I could have. So in thinking about this text this week, I was reflecting on how for a long time, one of my deepest sources of shame for myself was my struggle with depression. Depression has shaped my life since middle school, but I didn't tell people about it by and large because I liked, like, to project an image of having it all together. And I thought if people knew, they would judge me, respect me less, not give me opportunities responsibilities. So I kept it hidden. There are dozens of ways to read this story about this woman at the well with Jesus. It can be about ethnic divisions and overcoming them. It can be about different ways of worshiping and coming together can be about relationships between different genders and how we navigate those. But today, I'm drawn to this woman's wounds, those rough places in her life, the pieces she might be ashamed of. Maybe you can relate to my shame around mental illness, or maybe not. Maybe a loved one of yours can. Or maybe your stuff is entirely different. But we all have stuff of some kind. Something. A wound at the heart of us shame we hesitate to share, a secret too big to ever tell. For this woman, it seems that her pain was tied up with having been married five times. Now, the traditional read, of course, is that this was because of infidelity, that she was chronically unfaithful, addicted to adultery. I don't buy it. For one, we can set aside the old tradition of assuming all shame, particularly women's shame, is sexual shame. We can move beyond that. For a second reason, there is no way in the world a woman could have gotten away with being chronically unfaithful at that time. They would have stoned her before she got to the fifth husband. So we don't know why she'd been married five times and ended marriages or had marriages end five times and was with someone else now. But we can safely, I think, assume that it wasn't how she'd hoped her life would go 
when she was a little girl. It wasn't the dream she'd had for herself. Maybe men divorced her because she was infertile. Maybe she was widowed and in the practice of the day was passed from elderly relative to elderly relative, each person resenting that they had another mouth to be responsible for. We don't know, but it couldn't have been how she hoped things would go. And it was apparently isolating as Melody and the kids showed us, she was there in the middle of the day, the heat of noon, not the cool of morning when it makes sense to do heavy labor like carrying water. I wonder, had her community actively shunned her, ostracized her, pushed her out? Had the other women circled up, turned away, whispered about her. You know, those whispers and tones that are loud enough to be overheard. Or maybe she had just pulled away herself, not wanting to face the judgment she imagined she would meet. Whatever it was, she seems to have feared judgment. And so it's always bothered me that Jesus seems to come right up and push at that tender place, like pushing on a bruise. Why would he do that? Is he judging her? Calling her to account? almost feels taunting. Go get your husband. I don't believe Jesus taunts us. What I do believe is that Christ is always, always working for our healing and our liberation, our wholeness, and our freedom. So if we imagine that's at work, how does that shift things a bit? Here's the thing. I imagine that he is bringing it up because he knows that's where she needs healing. And Jesus is able to go to our places of shame without any shame on his part and lead us out of those tombs. Lead us back into life. I think that's what he is doing for this woman. He sees her and knows her and loves her. My own shame around mental illness began to unravel when it became very public 
during what we might as well call a breakdown about six years ago. Given the choice, I would have skipped it. I didn't get the choice. It became impossible to pretend anymore. And everyone who knew and loved me suddenly knew this thing about me that I had hidden so carefully for so long. It was hard. I mean, hard doesn't really cover it. If you've been through something like that, you know. At the same time, my shame around it all was washed away as each and every person saw me and didn't turn away, loved me, even though they knew me. It was washed away in that living water. Remember, grace is like water. As we said during the assurance of forgiveness, grace is like water, and water always pools up at the lowest places. This is why I have a sump pump in my basement. Water always finds a way in, and it always seeps down, pools up in the lowest places. And living water is no different. It's clear, cool streams bubbling up, pool up in the lowest places in our lives, dissolving our shame if we are willing to let them wash over us, cleaning out our wounds. Did you see what that woman was able to do after her interaction with Jesus? She turned and ran back to these people who had maybe shunned her, who she had maybe feared, who had probably judged her. And she shouted to them, can you believe it? She became the very first evangelist. This woman who had been so tied up in tough things. She said, come and see this person who knows me and set me free. And they came and saw for themselves. I believe we're made whole. Christ is always at work in healing and setting us free. There is no wound too great, no shame too deep, no secret too big for the living waters of grace that pool up in the lowest places. Amen. <laughs>